Hello, greetings, how are we? This is Gary Rogowski for Splinters. Thank you for joining me. Today's chat is simply entitled Salt. We, all of us, I think, weigh some portion of each day. We putter in the garden. We tinker with a watch band that has been broken for years. We watch another hour of mindless entertainment on a screen. What is undeniable, however, and I do not think that this can be argued, is that our potential is much greater than our output. We are not machines, after all. Pull back a pendulum and its stored energy can be released and measured and repeated as an experiment endlessly. Endlessly. This is how science works. You perform the exact same methods, you get the same results. It's called facts. That's how facts work. You don't get to make them up and just call them facts with nothing to back them up. You have evidence that is repeatable. Science. I like it. But it's another way to waste half an hour, like watching and studying the motion of a pendulum. Oh, Foucault and your pendulum. But potential energy. That energy we get by pulling back a pendulum is not a simple and dismissible construct. It is real. It is demonstrable. There is absolute potential in the pull of a bowstring, the bounce of a ball down the stairs, the tension of a spring on a screen door opening. And it is always available. A brief aside on Foucault, because I, I studied him a little bit once, and I had to give up my notions of a life well-lived when I made the mistake of comparing myself to him. My goodness. This 19th century genius died at the age of 48, too. Uh, he had no formal scientific training, and he built his own steam engine as a boy. Later on, he studied that new thing called the daguerreotype, photography, and took the first photographic image of the sun. He determined how to measure the speed of light through water. Hey, I'm not doing anything today. Let's, let's discover another scientific first. He improved microscopic photography. He created the gyroscope, proved the rotation of the earth, and by default the Coriolis effect with his ingeniously simple pendulum. But unlike this prodigy Foucault, who discovered so many things in his dusty Parisian basement, we are mostly slouches when it comes to our own potential. The rest of us, I sigh, we fritter away our actual abilities. We make excuses for why we cannot aspire to become a proficient at the piano or why our skillet cooking is not quite done yet. What holds us back from being truly great at, insert your goal, botany, painting, welding, life. I make this brief aside simply as a way of introducing this next topic because when I met this man, he was as old as I am now. What of my own potential, I ask myself, as I go down that ragged and treacherous road of comparison and think about my life and output compared to his. This does, however, tend to wake me up early in the morning to get to my work and to try at least to do something of value that day. So I had heroes to look up to, I suppose, is the point of all this preamble. Roy was a famous wood sculptor, a rapscallion by all accounts, and a force to be reckoned with. I met him by tagging along with a friend who said that she knew him. I knew Roy's carving work because I had seen it all over town. I got initiated to it first at the gallery, I, first gallery I ever showed at, Contemporary Crafts. And he had work there, and he had public works, hanging at hospitals, libraries. If I remember right, he had a big piece at Salishan Lodge out on the coast. The guy was all over the state. His work, how to describe his work? It was, it was all carved wood. And many pieces were tall, kind of Modigliani-inspired totems, but he also had a lot of work that looked like aerial photography 
of ancient landscapes, or maybe current landscapes, maybe the landscapes of his mind, I don't know. But they were laid out in a pattern and symmetry and asymmetry on a door or a panel, say, that made you lose yourself in their intricacies. Think of an aerial Louise Nevelson. Or don't, I don't know. I, I would look at his work and say, that man there, that man has a busy mind. And the carving wasn't detailed like the British carver, say, Grinling Gibbons. Look up that guy, 17th century. Dutch, actually Dutch, carver working in, in Britain at the time. Grinling Gibbons carved all sorts of lifelike animals and intricate, deep, deep carvings, high, high relief of leaves and vines and things wrapping around each other and uh, incredible animals and scrolls of music with the notes carved in. An amazing, amazing carver. But Roy's impact on me was different and, and important still. I like the impact it had on me, unlike the Grinling Gibbon stuff, which is amazing, amazing work, intricate, but lacks some kind of emotional quality for me. And I like art that does that, art that makes me think, but also makes me feel something when I look at it, an emotional and a visceral response to it. So Mardell and I went out unannounced to Roy's place on a Sunday. We drove up to his house out in the hilly country down valley, his studio, house and grounds, hugged a hillside, and you were either going up or going down in his abode. There seemed to be a few spots that I remembered as being flat on it, but it was probably cheap as that must have been the allure of such an angled home. His wife was affable and greeted us kindly when we arrived because she liked Mardell. I moved with great timidity into this man's dark castle and was introduced to Roy. He sat at his dinner table in his great room that spanned the kitchen space and the rest of the house. He grunted a hello, heard my qualifications as a builder of furniture and teacher of the same, and he remained profoundly unimpressed. <laughs> He was getting ready for his Sunday ritual, it turned out. This ritual consisted of reading the New York Times in his bathtub while he soaked, and he would not have that interrupted. He would not show us his studio personally. His wife could give us a brief tour, as he had an appointment with some hot bath water. Okay, I can bow, I can scrape. We arrived unannounced, that's what happens. We went down to his studio. His studio was a bit dark and dusty, as any good wood shop must be. Half-finished carvings lounged around the space, and carving tools littered his old benchtop. Stacks of walnut leaned up against the walls, as well as some few sticks of mahogany and piles of other unnamed woods. To a woodworker, I am afraid it must be revealed. To them, a pile of wood in the corner is better than money in the bank. It is money in the bank. It is a comfort, a solace, a promise of things to be, if only... I can find the right job for this amazing piece of wood. So too with Roy's studio. Partially chopped out and lean, tall figures of wood stood silently in the background. I looked around in awe. I looked around at all he had produced. We didn't stay long as our unannounced arrival on a Sunday was clearly more disturbance than cause for celebration. We walked back uphill to the main house. Roy still sat there at his table drinking his coffee. As he sat at this great chunk of walnut, I wanted to say how impressed I had been with his work, say something about his studio, his life, his everything. I probably gushed out of the, my corners. I gushed. It happens. You know, I was impressed. I noticed the top of the table he sat at, and my eyes fixed on it. A great carved pattern of little waves undulated across its surface, making you wonder how you ever put down a wine glass without it tipping over 
and it was dark, this wood, and gleamed with a patina that didn't rest on its surface so much as bubbled up from its insides. It shimmered with the age of a thousand dinner plates skipped across its surface, marked and scratched by the hands of his children and their errant forks. It beamed as the happy recipient of spilled wine and slosh stews dripping over the plates of his guests. I got up the courage to ask him about the texture that covered its top and what had he finished it with. Something, anything to say that would make me sound semi-intelligent to this artist. What's the finish on this table? I piped out, cleared my throat and looked serious, waiting for an answer. Salt, was his reply. I nodded my head. What could I say? He stuffed my question right back into my shirt pocket, and I had to shuffle out the door while he went to his steaming afternoon bath in his newspaper. I had been rebuked for my earnest attitude. It happens. I never felt it worse than on that day, and for a while after I marveled at it and his gruffness. Roy had no need for another young woodworker hoping to be like him. He had his bath to take. I get that. I was bothering him. Roy was simply getting rid of a wide-eyed punk woodworker who thought he knew something and wanted to prove it to the master sculptor. Roy didn't care about finishes. He had said salt to me just to give me something to gnaw on. Here's a bone. Gnaw on this. He meant that the top was finished with the day-to-day polish of living on it, putting your elbows on this chunk of wood every morning and every night. He meant that it was finished as it should be, with the grease of living and not by formula or concoction or magic brew. Roy had no desire to protect his wooden carved table from the elements of living in his house. He was not protected from the elements of life. Why should his table be? His attitude about this table was more than an impatience about being bothered on his Sunday. The old Polak reminded me of other old ones that I had known and loved in my growing up years. Roy had simply told me this, that life had finished this table. All my oils and rubbing compounds and formulas and potions couldn't replace what had been done to this table. This formula could never be repeated because time only moved in one direction, forward. Life was the finish on Roy's table. Enjoy your own in this season of renewal. Give thanks if you have a loving family around you, however tired you may be of them now. After these months of being sequestered, be grateful for your friends and for your health. Try to be kind to young and eager newcomers. Remember you were one yourself once. Remember, too, of the potential that we all bring to our work, our lives. Remember that there is opportunity. And give us the grace to let newcomers discover their path, their potential. Remember that like Foucault's pendulum, the earth still moves on its axis and will tilt back on it towards the sun the most incredible miracle of all that will bring us back into the light. Stay healthy. Please help support this podcast on coffee, K-O-F-I dot com, where you can buy me a coffee or whatever you'd like and help support my efforts. I'd appreciate that. If you have a question, post it there. I'd be happy to answer it. Check out our YouTube videos and please check out the information on the online mastery program that I'm trying to get started in January, get another group started in January. Uh, I've cut back on my in-person classes, so this is all I'm doing. And there's information on our website. Uh, I can send you a prospectus on the program. Please check out the website, northwestwoodworking.com. Be safe. Big hugs. Bye-bye. (music) 